0: Welcome back to the Messy Reformation. My name's Jason Rice. I'm the lead pastor at Faith Community CRC in Beaverdam, Wisconsin. My co-host is Willie Cronkey. He's a member at Pease CRC in Pease, Minnesota. We're just a couple of guys who love the Christian Reformed Church and want to see Reformation happen in our denomination. But we realize that whenever Reformation happens in the history of the church, things get messy. And after this past synod, and looking forward to this next synod, Things are really starting to get messy in the Christian Reformed Church. So we're taking the opportunity to have conversations with pastors throughout the Christian Reformed Church to find out what's going on in our denomination, but also to talk about what Reformation might look like. If you haven't already, take a moment, click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming content. We're dropping episodes every single Sunday evening. We also want to say thank you to everyone who sponsored us on Patreon We're slowly making our way to our modest goal of 20 sponsors at $5 a month. So if you appreciate what we're doing and want to help us continue to put out content, head on over to patreon.com slash themessyreformation. You can also support us for free by sharing our content. I'm a terrible self-marketer and everyone knows that now, so I need your help. If you know of anyone who would benefit from listening to this content, let them know about the Messy Reformation. With all that said, we're going to get to this week's episode, which is part one of our conversation with Darren Cornelis. So Darren, why don't you just kick us off, tell us a little bit about yourself and
1: your family and and what church you're at. Yeah, so name is Darren Cornelis, uh, grew up in Visalia, California, grew up in a Christian Reformed church out there, uh, used to be first Christian Reformed church of Visalia, and then it ended up being the only Christian Reformed church in Visalia, so the mm-hmm. name first was Unnecessary, so now it's Visalia Christian Reformed Church. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I went to Calvin College, Calvin Seminary, and um, Calvin College, I met my wife, Emily. We've been married, I got to be careful, I, 2013 or 2012, I think it's 2013, <laughs> so we're, we're coming up on 10 years. Um, together, we have two daughters, uh, the oldest is Molly, she's five years old, and, and we have a two-year-old daughter, Maggie, and uh, they certainly keep us. Busy. Uh, they're a lot of fun, a lot of work. Um, great sanctifiers, certainly. Mm-hmm. And um, and I am at Kneekirk Christian Reformed Church in Holland, Michigan. I've been here coming up on five years, nearly five years.
0: Okay. And did you end up at Kneekirk because you like went to Calvin and got in Grand Rapids and were just like sucked into the vortex of Jerusalem?
1: <laughs> um you know it's well to some degree sure um <laughs> I um I did a summer assignment I had I had I did a summer at Central Ave or I did a summer assignment at Central Avenue in 2017 and so I worked with Chad Steenwijk and um so I had one I had one year to go after that that uh, assignment that internship and I was kind of talking with Chad that final year about a hey, vacancies and things like that. And he told me that Knee Kirk was opening up. And so um yeah, I my wife and I just attended on a Sunday morning and um ended up talking to someone on council, giving them my resume, and got brought on uh, as like a six month kind of trial period. Um, so it was a little unusual, my call, you know, and then after that, they, they thought I was sufficient and they, they gave me a call, but, um, so yeah, I I was in the area. I had worked at central Ave, liked it here. And, and to be also perfectly honest, you know, uh, my wife's family lives in West Michigan. So there was certainly a desire to stay in West Michigan if we, if we at all could. and. I guess the Lord was merciful and and opened up this opportunity for us. And so, yeah, West Michigan's a wonderful place. Uh, It's, it's got its challenges though, but like, like every place, but we like it here.
0: Yeah. Amen. Yeah. I think when, when everybody's just real honest about as we're looking at churches and seeking a call, right. I mean, I, I know all of us would say, and I think are like, Hey, we'll go wherever the Lord leads. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But, But the Lord does work in, in those kind of ways where it's like, Hey, it would be nice to be close to family. It would be nice to be here. And, you know, and so we kind of look at, I mean, I, I've always told everybody I'm a pretty Midwest guy. I just am. And so like a church in California even if they wanted me to go there, they probably would look at me and be like, yeah, you're, you're probably not going to be a good fit. Now I've been told Visalia is a little bit more rural and maybe I would be a fit over. In- it
1: It is more rural, but that that is true. You know, like there's kind of coming to the Midwest. And when people hear that you're from California, there's this suspicion that they have about you, you know, like <laughs> people say to me, oh, California, eh? like Everything wrong in this country starts in California. <laughs> and, uh, you know, California has a, the people of California have a certain uh, people have certain assumptions mm-hmm. about Californians. And I'm not going to say they're not unfair. But sure. um, yeah, Central California, where I grew up, is very different. It's it's yeah. very rural. Um, so Midwesterners yeah. would do just fine. And I think yeah. that's what's allowed, probably myself, to do fine in the Midwest. But
0: sure, yeah, and it just, it just makes sense. We all have different personalities and stuff, and yeah, we can fit in in a lot of different ways too. So it's helpful. I, yeah. I always laugh. I so I grew up in Montana, and so in Montana oh, okay. they have a very negative view of Californians. Everybody
1: yeah. ah. Another
0: Californian moving into,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> it was super funny. I don't, I don't. Just so
1: you know, I, I appreciate. That, it. Hey, that's all right. Ho- hopefully, <laughs> I can change the stereotype a little bit. There you go. Yeah. So, well,
0: did it, did you feel? I, you, we kind of touched on this a little bit, but I'd be just curious. Was was it a shift from you for you though to move from Visalia and to be in kind of the West Michigan area?
1: Um. Yeah. Certainly. Uh. You know. Just geographically it's different. Um, you know, yeah, the winters were hard. Mm -hmm. The winters are still hard. And, um, and culturally it's, it's, it's a little bit different, you know, but, um, so yeah, it was a shift. It was an adjustment. And, um, but you know, I was, my wife and I, my family, we went to California and over Christmas and it was kind of interesting, you know, Before we left, I was kind of wondering, you know, like, oh, I'm going to, it had been like over three years since I'd been back there. And I was like, I'm wondering if I'll feel like this pull to go back to California, like this is home. And, you know, didn't feel that at all. Mm. Um, So like California felt much more foreign to me Mm. than, you know, kind of felt like what the Midwest felt like, you know, foreign when I was first moved out here. And so yeah, no, but we, we, we like it now in, in West Michigan and in the Midwest and yeah, but yeah. yeah, you know, you'll, you'll always go where the Lord will lead. So yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. What was, uh, and I'd be curious, just dynamics of the CRC, you know, we, uh, we've interviewed on this podcast, Zach Dewey and Mark Van Dyke from, you know, they're mm. from, I guess you would say Ammond Valley. Not, and, not no, not it. me. I wouldn't not say you. that. No, you say Almond Valley too. Yes, yeah, that is right. a point
1: of contention.
0: All right, so they're but from, yes, you know, they would they're say from California, yeah, and they, uh, you know, they've said they feel like quite a big disconnect being in a CRC church way out in California, kind of disconnect yeah. from the denomination. And now you're in West Michigan, which you know the joke is it's Jerusalem of of the CRC. Yep. So what what's been that experience for you? Just kind of your feeling of being connected to the denomination.
1: Yeah. I I can understand how those guys, you know, like Zach Dewey and uh, I forget the other name you just mentioned, but those, yeah, Mark Van Dyke, those guys in Ripon would, would feel that way. Um, I think West Michigan does feel a little bit insular at times. Um, So there's, yeah. And that, that, yeah, that can be, I think one of the challenges um, like kind of forgetting that there are Christian reformed churches beyond West Michigan, beyond Holland, beyond Grand Rapids. And um, yeah, so there is, I, I, I get that entirely, you know, like growing up in California, you know, yeah, you didn't, you, you, you grew up, you know, in a Christian reformed church and you knew you were part of the Christian reformed church, but yeah, you, you certainly. Now being in West Michigan, you see how this is different here. Um, there seems to be perhaps like I don't know a, a stronger loyalty to the institution mm-hmm. in West Michigan. Not not to say right like I, I'm I'm separating like institution from like the Christian Reformed Church as a faithful expression of, of the true Church of Christ, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, growing up in, in California in a Christian Reformed Church, you love to be a part of the Christian Reformed Church because of its confessional standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was certainly loyalty to the Christian Reformed Church, but here it seems like there's more loyalty to the institution, right? The name and its... Seems to be a stronger part of people's identity uh, than it than it does in like where I grew up in the Central Valley. Yeah, yeah, I think that's uh, I think you're hitting the nail on the head, which is interesting
0: for me because I I've never I've always kind of grown up in the more nether regions of the CRC. You know where <clears throat> where I was when I became a member of the Christian Reformed Church was in Princeton, Minnesota. Right, mm-hmm. so there's peas was a CRC yeah. that was, you know, 15 that planted us. Um, but then the next CRC church was like over an hour away. So there wasn't yeah. really any other CRC churches in the area. And now where I'm at, I'm a little more, I mean, not in any center, but like Wuppen is kind of a little Dutch ghetto. So I've got like five or six CRC churches within 15 miles. Okay. Of the- yeah. yeah. But it's still yep. like nothing like Grand Rapids, right? Where there's, no. No. there's a CRC church on every corner. And so yep. you get out into these kind of parts, like you said, and we're Christian Reformed because, I mean, there are some. I think upon there are some people who are, who are, well, we're Christian Reformed because that's who we are, right? That's just, yeah. it becomes part of your identity. It has, it comes disconnected from our doctrine and our teaching. It's just who we are yeah. in, in an unhelpful way. But I, I feel that a lot more in Grand Rapids, anyways, that there's this, yeah. yep. we just are, we're very <clears throat> proud to be yeah. Christian Reformed people. Yep um not even necessarily because of our teaching but just because of our history and, mm-hmm. and right. heritage maybe yeah yeah absolutely
1: i think that's right
0: yeah yeah and i think that the uh, we've been talking about this quite a bit actually on the podcast lately um like and it sounds so negative but it's just really true anytime people become more about the institution itself rather than the mission of the institution um that's actually a sign of the institution dying sure um, yeah. because you you end up losing um losing your mission right you just you just try to live for the sake of living is yeah. and yeah. and that's been for me one of the things i i keep trying to point out is um this will be the death of the christian reformed church unless something changes it's one of the reasons why i'm actually optimistic because i see a, a group of like a, a younger generation that's rising up saying like, no, we're not just CRC because we're CRC. We're CRC because we believe it's a faithful expression of the true church. And so we yeah. want yeah. to um, see the Christian Reformed Church live that out. Um and we want to see the Christian Reformed Church kind of return to its mission and, and place in the world. And yep. um may mean the institution itself needs to look a little different, but but we want to kind of get back to the the basics and the core of
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, so uh where did you go
1: to seminary, Darren? Yeah, I went to Calvin. I'm 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 Calvin through and through, Calvin College or yeah, it was college when I was there. Um, and then Calvin Seminary uh shortly thereafter, didn't take much time. I think there was about a, a graduated Calvin College December 2013 and then and started at the seminary in the fall of, of 2014.
0: Okay. Well, I guess that begs the question. I'm going to, I was going to go a different direction, but I want to jump backwards there. So you went straight from college into seminary. So does that mean you, you've kind of always felt a call to ministry? Was that kind of the plan growing up or?
1: Hmm. Um, sure. Yeah. The call to ministry, I've always said for me was very gradual and there was always great fear and trepidation um it was kind of one of those things where like you 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 kind of felt this pull and this calling towards ministry and so you, i kind of was halfway giving myself to it and um so it's like i started at calvin college and you know, I was growing up and I went to Christian school, elementary school, middle school, high school, you know, favorite classes were always my my Bible classes. That's always what I wanted to talk about, what I wanted to study. And so I got to Calvin college and, you know, I was like, I, I think I'll do secondary ed. You know, I come from a line of Christian school teachers. My dad's a Christian, Christian school teacher, my grandma and, and so forth. And it's like, I'll, I'll give that a go. That seems to be in the blood and the genes and, and then at the time, you know, the first semester I'm taking some some courses for that uh, degree, and I'm also taking my my just theology course, and I was like, well, this is what I enjoy. This is what I love studying. This is what I love talking about more than you know education. I'm, I'm thankful for Christian educators. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but uh, so I was like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll go into theology. I'll get my bachelor's in religion at Calvin. And it's like kind of you know like you know like what you're kind of preparing yourself for, right? Cuz like well, well what are you going to do with the bachelor's in religion? Not much. Mm-hmm. Um so it's like the next step is seminary. And it's like, well okay, but right, there was always this fear of being a pastor, right? Cuz you're always I mean even then, right? Like you understand the significance of the call and it's not one to be taken lightly and you you're very aware of your own limitations and your weaknesses. And, and so, yeah, so there was always fear and trepidation and, but I got my bachelor's in religion and I was like, well, I got to go to seminary. Um, And then, you know, I knew really, then I was like, all right, this is, this is where I believe the Lord is leading me and and seminary just kind of validated and, and, and clarified uh, this calling, um, to ministry, to pastoral ministry, to parish ministry. Um, so yeah, so that, that's kind of how I got, got here. And, um, yeah, I went to Calvin seminary cause yeah, like I said, I grew up in the Christian reformed church and was seeking to be ordained in the Christian reformed church. And, um, so that's how I got here. Yeah, no, Darren, very good. I'm wondering. Um, how did you enjoy your time at Calvin? I know it was
0: getting to be a little while ago since you started there, uh, but, uh, did you enjoy your time there?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Um, yes, I did. I'll say that. Um, I, I was at Calvin seminary, but there was, but there were always, there was definitely struggles and challenges too. Um, so I'll say yes and no, um, I was at Calvin's seminary during an interesting time. I was there residentially and I was there four years. And in that four years, there was what you could call a changing of the guard, so to speak. So, you know, there were multiple retirements uh, like John Cooper, John Bolt, Michael Williams, Ari Later, Calvin Reakin. Um there were more, and yeah. so I I had most of those those professors, and so um, I enjoyed them. I, I enjoyed John Bolt. Um, I enjoyed you know John Cooper for apologetics, and um, I loved Michael Williams. And um, but there was there was a changing of the guard, and it seemed to be that there was kind of this concerted effort to move away from being more of a seminary where you're going to get a rigorous theological education to you're going to get now kind of like this practical, um, hands-on education, more of like a professional type school. Right. And so, yeah, so it was interesting. I would say I, I struggled my last year at Calvin seminary, but, um, because there you were seeing more of that. And, um, and, and you, you need, you need both. I mean, you need, you need to know your doctrine. You need to know the ins and outs of reformed theology. And of course you need to, you know, have some experience and, um, and things like that. But there, you know, it seemed like there was a pendulum shift and um, like, it was kind of overreacting like, well, Calvin's, rigorous too rigorous and so um yeah so there seemed to be a shift there so I, I i struggled a little bit my 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 last year particularly and the last year of seminary too is when my convictions personally were starting to become i was they were starting to shore up and mm-hmm. and become stronger and was and so yeah and so the last year became a little more more of a challenge a little more difficult for me but yeah. Did you hear,
0: cause I, 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 I experienced the same thing and I was trying to remember when, did, when did you, when did you graduate from Calvin? 18, 2018. Okay. So same year as me. Yeah. So we were there oh, really? at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't residential. I was distant. Oh,
1: okay. So that's,
0: yeah. Um, But yeah, I graduated in 2018. So yeah. So we were there during the same thing. So I, I, I've explained that you and I explained it very similarly of our experience yeah. at Calvin seeing that massive turnover and um, myself feeling a little frustrated at the lack of theological depth and the heavy emphasis on very practical matters. And, you know, I don't have the, I should find the source for this, I suppose, but I remember reading back when I was getting my bachelor's, I remember reading um, something that uh, a communication that came to synod, or maybe a decision that came out of synod that a, a bunch of pastors were feeling like, they weren't being equipped for ministry at Calvin, and so they they were getting all the theological stuff, but then they were getting into their churches, and they didn't know how to run an elders meeting, and they didn't know how to do all the practical stuff. And so, sure. yeah, I I've got this in the back of my head, and I should look it up to make sure that I'm reading, remembering rightly. But that that was part of that shift was yeah. the seminary saying, "Oh, we need to we need to change, and we need to start equipping pastors now to be able to do some of the." the leadership and the management aspects of being a pastor. And in order to do that, they felt like they had to cut something. And that was some of the, the theological rigor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That sounds familiar. You saying that. Um, Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That was kind of a frustrating thing though, for me too, because, you know, it, it, it seemed like, you know, it, it, it's turning the pastorate into kind of like to some degree, like a glorified social worker. And, and, and to be honest, that's kind of what I saw with a lot of classmates. It's like, and and they had this desire to help people and, and see them do well and, and, and help people in poverty. And it's like, that's really good. And that's a great endeavor, but yet you saw a lot of students like, well, they didn't want to preach. And um so yeah, um, it was a bit of a struggle because you know, what, what are we, what are our titles, right? It's the minister of word mm-hmm. and sacrament. And they're seeking to be ordained in the Christian Reformed Church as a minister of word and sacrament, and yet they're they're leaving without this desire to preach the word and to administer the sacraments, but simply mm-hmm. to alleviate and help people in, in in dire situations and again i'm not saying that's a bad um desire it's it's a good but i think there's perhaps maybe a little bit of confusion as to what what the pastor it is and yeah yeah
0: i think you're right on the money in in a couple of different ways really and i've even i've had to kind of morph my understanding of this over the years too because you have the Uh, You had said social worker, and and I would say maybe even more of a negative term. I've watched some people want to be kind of the activist pastor, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Like, hey, I can if I'm a pastor, like then I I can influence. You know, I'm (laughs) an it's the trendy. I'm an influencer, but you you're you're influencing people. You can kind of try to rally people. You can be a leader, that kind of thing, and you're doing that in kind of activistic ways. But then on the other hand, I've seen other people, and this was me when I first started in ministry who see the pastor as like a, like a psychologist or like a counselor. Yeah. Right. And so your job is just to be there to kind of listen to people's me, you know, needs and, and, and hurts. And you're walking them through that. And uh, I was just talking to somebody about that this morning before our interview that when I, I felt my call to ministry, I got into youth ministry and then we had a really broken group of teenagers. I was dealing with suicide like monthly. Oh, wow. So sure. not like wow. always successful, but either attempts or ideation. Yeah. And I had to do a number of funerals, and so I was like, oh, "I don't know what to do here." And so I, I when I went to school initially in my undergrad, I was a Christian counseling major because I thought, "Man, this mm. is what I need. I need to mm-hmm. I need these skills." And and I did need those skills to some degree, but sure, yeah. At some point in the, along those lines, I realized, but my main goal is not to be a counselor. In that. Right. Of the word, right. Um, my main goal as my call to ministry is to equip the saints for works of ministry. That's what that's what the Bible says. That's why God gave mm-hmm. us pastors and teachers. Um, and the way that we equip the saints for the works of ministry is by using the Word of God, right? That's yep. I said I always try to connect these those two ideas when it comes to the call of the pastor. Is Ephesians four eleven God gave pastors and teachers to equip the saints for works of ministry, and then 2 Timothy three sixteen. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, training in righteousness, so that yeah. the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good yes. work. So the tool God gave us to use is his word, um, not psychology. Right. And and all of right. that. So I, and so I, I switched. I pulled out of that Christian counseling major, switched to a, a theology, biblical studies major, my undergraduate, and then... And so, and then you get to seminary and I'm like, well, now I, there's this huge emphasis on now being a counselor to some degrees or being a leader. Yeah. And you are those things. But I was, again, I was really disappointed at the level of theological depth and uh, and the lack of opportunities. And I had a little bit different to give, I'll give the seminary some credit on this. I mean, I was a distance student. And so my electives were really limited on what electives I could choose. So Oh sure. Um, if I wanted to take an elective on like uh a book of the Bible or whatever, I had to do that independent study. So I had to kind of go out of my way to try to take like 1st okay. and 2nd Thessalonians with Wima. But the yeah. electives that were assigned to me as a distance student were all like super practical leadership oriented, you know, kind of stuff. Yeah. They weren't just automatically trying to bolster your theology and I I think it's because we're we we have lost to some degree the idea of what it is to be a pastor yeah and, uh, or
1: yeah you know and at the very at the very least what what the primary function of the office is mm-hmm. yeah exactly
0: well and uh and then I and then I just on a real practical sense I uh <laughs> I always ask everybody so all of the really practical classes you took in in seminary Did you still feel when you got
1: into your first church, like, hey, I'm perfectly well equipped to do this job? Yeah, Uh, no, I mean, I was just actually, I was just thinking that right as you started saying that, you know, like there's nothing, I remember at seminary we did, we kind of did a, in one of the pastoral care classes, we did role playing um, where you were, someone was given a situation, uh, by the professor, you know, and and they came to you, and you had to counsel that care for them, you know, yeah. um, so to speak. And, and it's like, okay, that's 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 pretty practical, pretty hands on, but it's like, you know, there is nothing that can really prepare you to like enter a hospital room. You know, we just had it; a fifty-seven-year-old man just died of cancer, leaving behind four, four kids, the youngest of which is, is a junior in high school. And, um, right. There's nothing that can prepare you to walk into that hospital room minutes after they get that terminal diagnosis. Yep. You know, that that's just, you, 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 you just learn by being thrown into it. Um, yep. so yeah. Yeah they they it can only it can only go so far but you really just learn by by being thrown in mm-hmm. and um
0: yeah yeah and that's uh that's been my I don't know my hobby horse a little bit is and I don't have all the the logistics I'm just trying to think through how we could revision again seminary education a little bit and still keep that high bar of theological knowledge because I think that's important because pastors are I think pastors more way more so than than seminary professors. Pastors are kind of the the stewards of the faith, really amongst yeah. people. Like we're we're shepherding congregations of right. people. Even if the seminary faculty can be super orthodox, but if the pastors aren't, the people aren't, and the, and right. the whole, and things get, so we we want to hold a high bar of theological knowledge of our pastors, and and yeah, want them to know God and what He's done, and we want them to know that deeply. But they also need to have the practical skills as well. And so I've been talking about people kind of suggesting maybe we need to go back to more of an apprenticeship type model uh, sure. where seminary is high theological teaching, but then you you walk alongside someone, you kind of get baptized by fire a little bit, but yeah. you have someone supporting you.
1: Yeah. Well, I know I know the seminary, I mean, no matter what, if you did an MDiv, the, the, the shortest you could do it was four years because one year was an internship. Mm -hmm. Um, So you spent a full year at a church. Um, I don't know if you were under a a pastor or not, but um, so yeah, there's, there's certainly value in that. um, To be kind of just thrown in to, to it. And that's how you'll learn best, you know, the practical side of it. Yeah and there's just a like
0: i've said and then there's also i think trying to set the expectation as as everyone graduates from seminary and goes off to a church to realize you don't know what you're doing
1: yeah yeah
0: <laughs> and uh and the only way you're going to learn is by messing up a whole bunch of times just yep. like every other profession and every other job oh, out there yeah. You, yeah, the only way I, you learn is to mess up
1: so i feel as a parent right now i don't know what i'm doing yeah but um yeah you just You learn and and yeah, same with the pastorate. I mean, you make mistakes and you learn from it and God is gracious and merciful to restore and, and keep you going, but. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, and I think one of the things I've had this
0: conversation so many times lately is we don't know what we're doing. And I think we can all just, we have to be humble enough to recognize like, yeah, when we're parenting our kids, we really don't know what we're doing. And when we're shepherding a congregation, we don't know what we're doing. And we're when synod meets that make decisions, we don't really know what we're doing. We're trying to figure it out the best we can, but we can't let yeah. that paralyze us and prevent us from taking any action either. Right. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. That's been the, the fear. Like we know as a parent, like you don't know what you're doing, and you're, you know, you're going to make a mistake, but you have to do something. You have to pray yep. and make a decision. And then if you messed up, then you go back to your kid and you say, "I'm sorry, I yep. messed that one up." <laughs> yep. And yep. then, you, and then you move on, right? And so in churches, we need to do that too. I think you know a lot of churches get so paralyzed about making decisions on things like, well, what if we mess up, or what if we do this wrong, and, um, and you just yeah, make- yeah, you.
1: Just- you can't live in that fear, right? Because I think you've just said, right? That's it's paralyzing. Yeah. And um, you can't be paralyzed with fear. That's all we have for this week. If you want to help us out and
0: support the Messy Reformation, another thing you can do is head on over to the MessyReformation.com, look in the menu bar, and find Join the Reformation. By clicking on that, you can sign up for our newsletter where you'll get episodes sent right. Directly to your email inbox, and it will give us the opportunity to communicate with our audience, which is one of the biggest struggles of a podcast. So head on over there and sign up for our newsletter. Now, stay tuned for our next episode, which is part two of our conversation with Darren Cornelis. But until then, don't forget this is Christ Church, and he bought it with his blood. And we've been warned that wolves will come in trying to destroy the flock. So keep a close watch on your life and on your doctrine. Preach the word in season and out of season and keep fighting the good fight in this messy reformation.